0: Then, children of the night, what music they make. They're coming to get you, Barbara. they here. Ah. Welcome to my nightmare. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Oh, no! I'll kill you all. Do you want to die tonight? You don't know what death is. We belong dead. Here's
1: Johnny. <laughs> home. I shot
0: him six times. I'm on your butt. Thanks for your life! <laughs> <laughs> to a new world of parts and monsters.
2: Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of Pods and Monsters. My name is Robert and with me as always is Inthia. Hello. How are you, Inthia?
1: Oh, I'm doing okay. We're on day 152, three, five, seven, I don't know.
2: <laughs> is it really that, that day? It is
1: definitely in the 150s oh. of being in our self-isolation. Well,
2: the day is good today for me, you know why? Why? Because we are talking about one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm very excited to do this one.
1: What movie is that?
2: That is 1943's Frankenstein Meets the Wolf Man.
0: He doesn't understand. There's a curse upon me. I change into a wolf. Listen to me, I saw my father become obsessed by his power. She died a horrible death. There's no need for us all to storm after her. She'll come in if I ask her. Why should we treat her so fancy? She's a Frankenstein.
2: Have you ever seen Frankenstein meets the wolf man? No. Well. You're in for a treat, because it's one of my favorites.
1: I've seen references of it, I guess, the fight scene. Yeah I've seen references. I worked for a company that made a statue, I yeah, guess, right. of the two of them. And then I've seen posters and whatnot. That was really my only frame of reference. Well,
2: and also, last year, at Universal Horror Nights, Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman Maze, which was, which that's had right. scenes reminiscent of uh, this movie.
1: I'm going to have to watch that. I should have watched that before we film, or whatever we're doing right now,
2: recording. (laughs) So, Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman. Why don't you take us through it, Anthea?
1: Sure. So... We open with the universal mirror ball logo.
2: Yep, the classic logo of the 1940s.
1: And we go into our credits, which I really enjoy. It's like a laboratory mm-hmm. and there's a bunch of vials and a hand comes in and pours in some sort of substance into another one. And it creates a chemical reaction, so a bunch of fog comes out of this. Yeah, like
2: dry ice.
1: Yeah, and then the credits start to materialize out of this fog, um, yeah. which I really like, or the vapor or whatever, um, which I really, really enjoyed.
2: It's a great opening sequence, uh, opening credit sequence, great music, again by Hans J. Salter, and what's great is you can pick up the, the themes from the Wolfman and from the 1940s Frankenstein series so that would be Ghost of Frankenstein so lots of music from Ghost of Frankenstein and the Wolfman are present throughout
1: mm. we open on a full moon night and we're in Land um, Lanwelly
2: Lanwelly, yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Lanwelly Cemetery. And two men approach the cemetery. This is a really good cemetery set, which we do revisit later on in the movie. I really like this set.
2: Yeah, this set's great. This opening is one of the eeriest Universal has ever done. Agreed. One of the best.
1: There's more dimension to this movie than there mm-hmm. has been in previous movies where they feel yeah. a little flat. I don't know if they changed like, the lens or... Well, obviously. it's a different
2: director. Um, My I, point
1: I mean, is I really like the cinematography of this movie. I love the depth that we get in it and we get a lot of just just an amazing array of different black and white and gray hues. Yeah. Um, so I really like it and I like that we get more modern Cinematography and composition Mm -hmm. in this movie than we have previously. Where previously it just felt like we were watching like a play. Right, everyone is always pretty perfectly in frame and here we have people in the foreground and then they're speaking to people in the background or um there's you know the focus is more on people in front yeah. without there being like a bunch of vaseline on the on the lens so we see like people's pores and <laughs> right. um their wrinkles and so i really really like that and i thought that the opening uh this is one of the two scenes that really stuck out to me right. the use of this kind of framing and composition so we are at the talbot mausoleum yeah the talbot crypt and these men break in um, to it at first you think that they might actually just kind of work their groundskeepers but it turns out these dudes are grave robbers
2: yeah they are grave robbers and one of them you will recognize or you may recognize from the wolfman did you was it martin no martin no oh, that's from it? dracula Oh uh, no! Um, Is it the constable? Nope. I'm thinking. I'm thinking of every movie, but the <laughs> one <thing. laughs> no. One of the grave robbers in this opening sequence plays Richardson, the grave digger from the Wolfman that the Wolfman attacks and kills. Oh well. Same no. actor, different character.
1: Huh? It's on brand. We end up seeing a bunch of Talbots that have passed. Um, John, another Lawrence. Martin and Elizabeth. And the men are looking specifically for our Lawrence Larry, his tomb casket. Yeah. Great. I don't know.
2: Because everyone knows he was buried with some jewels and
1: things. Yeah, they want his jewelry. We see some writing or they read a little bit of what's um, on his tomb. It says he was 31. And I feel like we keep going back to this. and There's (laughs) absolutely no way this man was 31 when he died.
0: Lawrence
2: Stewart Talbot, who died. Died
0: at the youthful age of 31. R.I.P.
2: That's it. Well, Lon Chaney Jr., who plays Larry Talbot in this movie, he's really 36. He would have been 34 in The Wolfman, so it's not that far off from being 31.
1: That's a (laughs) grizzled-looking 30, -30 mid-30-year-old person.
2: Well, that's what uh, drinking does, unfortunately.
1: So... One of the men, the taller of the two, is definitely creeped out and they open up the tomb and find it stuffed with wolfsbane. Wolfbane? And I believe that the smaller man of the two recites that good old wolf poem that we hear in the first wolfman movie.
0: Even a man who's pure at heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the bane blooms. And the moon is full and
2: bright. Yes, but did you notice it's slightly different this time?
1: No, you could, I could listen to them back to back and I'd (laughs) still say it's the same thing.
2: So in the original film, the poem goes, Even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night May become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. Well, the final line, the autumn moon is bright, has now been changed to the moon is full and bright. Oh, I would have never caught that. I don't know what their intention is, why they did that, except that the full moon is featured in this movie where it wasn't featured at all in The Wolfman. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of like it. I don't know if, if it really is a continuity error, but I like that it changes because it shows that this poem has a life and is being passed down through different generations. And it, and it kind of changes depending on who says it. Because this okay. poem is an ancient uh-huh. thing where maybe not everyone knows it exactly the same way. Maybe oh. pe- people from different towns know it a little differently.
1: Yeah, gotcha. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As he says this, the moon shines in and it shines onto the body that is there. Yeah. Um, which is Larry's body.
2: And I like this shot. It's kind of hard to make out exactly what it is, but you can see that Lon Chaney didn't shave. He has a big five o'clock shadow, which is fine because, you know, he hasn't shaved for two years or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. I, I like the way he looks here.
1: They take his ring and then we see his hand starts to move and come up.
2: Yeah, they're examining the ring and, yeah, in the background you just see the hand come up and grab the grave robber very scary one of the scariest moments in universal history and the interesting thing about it is he's not the wolfman yet and i don't even know obviously he's brought back to life because the full moon hits him it it regenerates uh-huh. him basically uh-huh. but at this moment he doesn't have hair or anything but he has long fingernails so my question when jack pierce did this makeup or uh, and added these long fingernails was this to show Larry Talbot in mid-transformation or does he have long fingernails because he died and it's been two years of not cutting his fingernails?
1: Well, your nails don't keep growing. Your skin pulls back. That's how your nails look like they're growing.
2: Or, or th- maybe that. Maybe there's, they're going for that illusion. I don't know.
1: I like to think that it's because the the moon has hit him and he is transforming.
2: Yeah.
1: He snatches up that grave robber who and his little friend um, flees away or his tall friend flees away.
2: Yeah. And as Richardson.
1: he's as he's leaving, um the lantern that they had that was like a gas lantern falls. And I thought this was gonna be more important. It just shatters. I thought it was gonna set everything up ablaze or whatever, but it does not. It's only me. There's a policeman who's patrolling and he sees a body on the ground. We're now in a village or we're, you know, we're not in the cemetery anymore. And he thinks that it's a drunk man who is asleep on the ground. When he goes to check it out, he pulls up our good friend Larry and he has a some sort of head
2: wound. Yeah, he has a gash in his head.
1: Yeah.
2: Do you know how he got that? Um, no. From his father at the end of the first movie, uh, bashing his head
1: in. Right. That makes so much sense and that's <laughs> why that they had to do some extensive surgery.
2: Yes. <gasps> look at that. The interesting thing is when he, when he has his scar throughout the entire movie it's a jagged scar on the left side of his forehead and the monster has the exact opposite on the right side of his forehead. They have matching scars. <laughs>
1: so now we're in the hospital and um, our good friend Larry has had an operation um, by Dr. Mannering.
2: Dr. Frank Mannering, yeah.
1: Um, he's questioned by the the doctor and a detective about how he was hurt and where he's from he's very distraught as they're talking to him and as they leave him the inspector just takes his word because obviously they don't know anything um, right right now and it turns out that we are no longer in lanwelly um so the inspector calls lanwelly asking about larry and he gets another um, policeman who tells him that larry died four years ago.
0: I wouldn't want him in our hospital. He died four years ago.
1: So the inspector says that Larry is an imposter and the doctor is very defensive of Larry and doesn't want Larry to be questioned or treated aggressively because he's recovering from major head trauma and surgery. Right. He actually keeps the inspector from um, proceeding with his questioning during this time. It is a full moonlight. Um, night and larry is in bed oh no it's a full moon um we get this really awesome transformation
2: this is probably the best transformation they ever did it's really good it's great he's sitting in bed and he gets awoken by the brightness of the full moon that hits him mm-hmm. and he sits up and then he looks so worried and scared, and then he just is so anguished that he stops and you know turns into into the Wolfman, and it is such a seamless transformation. the the technically the best one they ever did. What I believe they did was, if you remember, he's lying in bed, turning into the Wolfman. So already Lon Chaney's more comfortable. He's lying down in a bed. He doesn't have to stand up. He uh-huh. He's not in a weird position. But they probably sculpted the pillow that he's lying on so his head could be placed exactly where it needs hmm. to be Interesting uh, for the transformation. So it's a great transformation. I love this transformation. I remember, <laughs> I have a vivid memory of this transformation. I remember in 2001, a store opened up at the Glendale Galleria called Knuckleheads, and it was a Three Stooges store. But Bela Lugosi Jr., he was part of the Three Stooges company. So it was like Three Stooges and monsters, mostly Three Stooges. It's weird. And I went opening weekend and they had walk around characters of the Three Stooges around the store. And I remember they had a big screen in the back that play clips of the Stooges and stuff, but they'd also play monster movies. And I remember they showed this transformation from Frankenstein meets the Wolfman and Curly stood there and watched it mesmerized. And then he ran off and went, woo, 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 <laughs> woo. So he turns into the Wolfman. Now he is in his pajamios.
1: But he ends up in his Wolfman clothes. He does
2: change into to his Wolfman clothes somehow.
1: So I'm glad that this uh curse also affects whatever he's wearing yeah
2: but the same thing happened in the first one where he was in his undershirt
1: very very true so where Um, does he go he's seen by policemen running around the town he ambushes a the policeman that spots him and kills him
2: yeah great shot he jumps up from behind him and bites into his neck and drags him off and we see it in shadow
1: Yep. The next morning, the window is open in the room, and there's a nurse trying to, with the doctor trying to figure out how that happened. And they look over, and our good friend Larry is in bed. He's not sleeping like we left how they left him, but he's in bed. So yeah.
2: his uh, bandages on his head are off, and he's yeah. all disheveled. Yeah.
1: He wakes up freaked out and tells the doctor that he's done something terrible, and something terrible has happened.
0: Call the police. yes you better call
1: him I'm a I'm a
0: murderer
1: and the doctor ends up telling him that he's actually sleepwalking Mm. he also tells him that he killed someone last night and I believe shows them his his scar the pentagram thing on his chest
2: he says that he killed someone last night and dr. Mannering says you know it's true that someone was killed last night but it was done by an animal and he says, well, that's just it. I turn into an animal. And then he's trying to plead his case, telling them that he is a, a werewolf. He says, you know, there's a curse upon me. I turn into a wolf. And he opens up his shirt to show where he was bitten by Bela, the gypsy and the original wolf man. And...
0: But he doesn't understand. There's a curse upon me. I change into a wolf.
2: The inspector and the doctor
1: think that he's lying and they don't believe him. They They, they just don't. And then the, the inspector tells him that Larry Talbot died four years ago.
0: Lawrence Talbot died four years ago. Died?
1: Four years? Larry then reveals that he can't die. He realizes that he is immortal. And he's like, he's in disbelief. Like, all of this stuff is really kind of just hitting him right now. I mean, he's been undead for about two days. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a lot to take in, I suppose. The doctor calls an orderly over because he's starting to get a little bit more hysterical because um, no one is believing him. So a mm-hmm. bunch of orderlies come in and they start to restrain Larry. A fight ensues and there's a struggle, but ultimately they're able to get him in a straitjacket. Yeah. Um, the doctor says that Larry's experienced the murder, but that it's all in his imagination, which is a weird way to explain a way that this man knows about these things (laughs) it's it's kind of half well they're saying
2: they're saying that in his mind he experienced the murder and that he probably heard nurses talking about it and in his mind felt like he was really there sure
1: so the doctor decides that he's and the inspector decides that they're going to go to lanwelly to investigate the grave and confirm that larry talbot is indeed dead so now we're at our wonderful cemetery Yep. In Lanwelly, and they go to inspect the mausoleum and find that it is open. They do have a groundskeeper with them as well as local police. Yep. So, uh, they're able to see that it was broken into, and or sorry, broken out of as well as broken into because when the robbers came in. They climbed in through an opening above the door. Right. And when the inspector and the doctor show up, the door is now broken. But it is pointed out that the door is actually broken from the inside out and not from the outside in. Right. Uh, They find the empty tomb as well as the grave robber that was snatched up who now has a torn jugular. The policeman tells them about how Larry died. Um, and exactly what happened. We find out also that now his father is dead.
2: Yeah, poor Sir John Talbot, who is located right next to them in the wall, died of grief shortly after.
0: Where's Sir John Talbot now? Over there, sir. Died of
2: grief shortly after.
1: So they they're kind of flabbergasted by everything, and uh, they ask the local policeman if they have if he has a photo, if there's anything that they can yeah, confirm they, visual confirmation of Larry Talbot.
2: Yeah, they go back to the police station at this point, and the guy pulls out a photo.
1: So they confirm that the photo is Larry, but they would now like the policeman to come with them back to wherever they are going. Where's right. Larry? Where is he?
2: <laughs> He's in Queens Hospital.
1: Okay. They want him to come back and confirm Larry's identity.
2: Yes, uh, because when they show the photo, they say although it looks like Larry Talbot, they can't 100% confirm it.
1: Which is so bizarre. But I will <laughs> say, I did see a picture of Leonardo DiCaprio today, and it was very weird because it looked like it was photoshopped. He looked too that, happy. That was Emil Hirsch. <laughs> <laughs> I was very confused. The inspector asked if... The policeman knows about this gypsy woman that Larry had mentioned earlier. Maliva. Meanwhile, at the same time, the doctor is calling back to check on Larry, and we find out that he has escaped. That's right. Apparently, he bit through his restraints.
0: He tore off his straitjacket during the night and escaped. Tore off his straitjacket. How? Bit right through it. Tore it to shreds with his teeth.
2: With his teeth. (laughs) And now we
1: get to see our good friend Larry. And our good friend Larry is walking through a gypsy
2: camp. I love this scene. I love how Larry looks here because he has his nice little hat and it's, you know, placed on the back of his head. It's kind of like the way that he wore his hat when he played Lenny in Of Mice and Men. Mm -hmm. I love when Lon Chaney wears a hat like that.
1: I think you're in love with Lon Chaney. Well,
2: he's my favorite actor. But um, I also like uh, this gypsy guy that shows up.
1: Yeah. So um, he ends up looking for Maliva.
2: Well, do you remember when he enters the gypsy camp, a dog starts barking at him and the gypsy goes, Bruno, Bruno. Yeah. <laughs> and he's shaving and then his shaving cream kind of gets tossed around as he screams, oh. Bruno.
1: <laughs> Bruno, oh, stop it. He ends up having a conversation with this gentleman, and he says that he's been looking all over Europe for Maliva. He asks her for her help. So um, I like how this camp is set up where we get like it's a very small set, like narrow area that we see. And then we go into this tent with her. And so they have a rather intimate conversation while the rest of the camp is kind of watching into
2: the tent. Yeah, so she's there in this camp and she looks very scared that he has arrived and that he's alive. Very
1: freaked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says that he would like to die and he would like to end this. He doesn't want to be cured. He doesn't want any, he just wants to die. She says that she cannot help him end his life, but that she will guard him and she will be his caretaker from here on out and she will try to help him.
0: Your own son, Bela, was a werewolf. Well, you watched over him until he was permitted to die. Well, now I want to die, too. Won't you show me the way? I can't, but I will guard you and take care of you as I took care of my own son.
1: She then offers to take him to a man that she thinks can help him, even though he just wants to die. (sighs) Who? (laughs) <laughs> and so now we get a really lovely um, traveling montage.
2: I love this traveling montage. I love the traveling music here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They I get lo- on
1: a little wagon. Yeah.
2: I love the wagon. I love how we see the mud all over the wheels with yeah. the change of weather. <laughs>
1: yep, yep, yep. So we can see that it's taking them a while to get where they're getting. Yep. And they get to, is it Viseria?
2: Yeah. Larry says, is that the town? And Reliva says, Yes, that is Viseria.
1: (laughs) They stop at an inn to ask for Dr. Frankenstein.
2: Yes, I told you when I watched the movie, I love this part, where they're driving up to the inn and Maliva says, Stop! And Larry makes the sound where he goes, I
1: mean, he's talking to the horses. (laughs) No,
2: I know, but but then the captions, because we watched this with captions, said he burped. He didn't burp, he was making a sound for the horse, going...
1: Ugh. Stop. So the entire time that we are being introduced to the barkeep, we see Larry and he keeps eyeing this barmaiden.
2: Yeah, there's a a woman, uh, probably around, I don't know, 18, 20 years old. Yeah. She's standing on a table. I believe she's changing the lights in a chandelier. I for thought the she candles. was lighting them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's just staring at her. Yep, he is very. Which much seems changed. weird.
1: She's freaked out. Everyone's kind of like, "What is your deal?" But the barkeep ends up being very upset and tells them that Frankenstein is dead, which distraughts our good friend Larry. The barkeep pretty much—he's just very rude to them. Tells them that the family is no good. And Maliva goes to leave and Larry is having a moment and he sits down and the barkeep wants none of this and tells him that uh, he needs to leave. They don't want any of his kind at the inn.
2: Yeah, then he gets aggressive with Larry and tries to pick him up and Larry gets mad and says, oh, keep your hands off me. And yeah, this guy, the barkeep, his name is Vazek. Vasek, V-A-Z-E-C. And okay. I'm just going to call him barkeep. <laughs> He's awful. He is very awful. Yeah.
1: Larry is very much distraught and is hopeless.
2: I
0: must go on living. There's no hope for me to
1: die. But the moon is full and out. So uh, there's uh, something afoot, I guess, as he and Maliva are driving away.
2: Yeah. And what I really like about this is he is on the wagon. Mm Mm-hmm with maleva and the, and the moon comes out and he looks at it and then he looks down and he kind of pushes into himself where it appears that he's trying to fight it he's trying to hold it back trying to make it so this transformation does not happen i really like that
1: yeah yeah he's very much in physical pain so we get another transformation scene maleva ends up calling after him but he takes off running
2: yeah, he jumps off the wagon and he, and he leans up against a tree and turns into the wolfman there. Another great transformation.
1: Now we're back in the town and um, we hear a werewolf howl. And That's vill- his cry. Yeah, and we see villagers already in a mob walking through town. This was a little confusing because I thought that it was pre-anything happening, but it turns out that the young maiden that we had seen at the bar in, I don't know, is now deceased and being carried by the barkeep.
2: Yes, so now we know that Larry was staring at her because he knew what was going to happen to her. Because remember in the original movie he would see the pentagram in a circle uh, Mm. to anyone who would be his next victim? Yeah. We can only imagine that that's what he was seeing in her. They don't really play up the whole gypsy aspect of it as much in this movie with seeing pentagrams and all that. But I like to imagine that's why he was staring at her.
1: I don't know if that's a gypsy aspect, but I'd say well,
2: lore. Well, to the, the lore movie, that was yeah. set
1: up. Yeah, yeah. We get some villagers who ask if it was the monster. Could it be the monster again? frankenstein's monster
0: no the monster was burned to death with dr frankenstein
1: the wolfman is currently not on anyone's radar yeah um there's a nazi man policeman person (laughs) um who says that she was attacked by a creature who bit her throat and then our good friend super good friend dwight fry
2: Yeah, Dwight Fry shows up again as a villager.
1: He is a villager. He's a very swankly dressed villager. Yep. Him and some other villagers question if the monster is dead, dead, and uh, what kind of creature attacked the maiden. And we do at that point hear a wolf howl. The mob is. Very much ready to take out what, like torches at the ready all the time for these people.
2: Yeah, at the sound of the howl, you get a great line from Dwight Fry, probably his last great line of his career, where he says,
1: What? It's a wolf. That's his cry.
2: And then, yeah, the mob takes off and great, great music as they hunt the wolf man.
1: Yep, they track him down and they start shooting at him as soon as they see him.
2: Um, He looks so great here, the Wolfman.
1: He runs away, and he loses the mob, and he falls into the ruins of Frankenstein Castle.
2: Yeah, if you you remember in Ghost of Frankenstein, the castle was burned down at the end. Now, the Wolfman has made his way to the ruins, and that's where they follow him, and he falls into a hole. And falls down into the ruins.
1: Yeah, um, which is like a hell dimension or something. I'm not too <laughs> sure, but it's snowy down there. Yeah, the it's all snowy. The whole thing was a little weird, but whatever.
2: Yeah, um, it, it's snowy down there, and I really like the music that's in the in the snow. In fact, they use the same music in the ice cavern scenes in the in the next movie, House of Frankenstein. And Do I you like ice caverns. Yeah, and I really like the music. It goes. Bong bong. You're
1: actually going to put it in, right? Or is it just going to be you doing that?
2: <laughs> just be me doing that. But I like it. It, it sounds so icy and caverny. It remind it kind of reminds me of the music in the Calico Mine Ride when you get to the top and see the cave. Mm, 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 okay. And what I like about this also when he falls into the the ruins and, and he's in the snow, mm-hmm. he doesn't know what to do. So so he's just running around and just kind of jumping on things and he's acting very wolf like. And he
1: is very animalistic. He's trapped.
2: Yeah, and he just lies on his back and starts rolling around. And
1: yeah, it's very yeah. good. The mob finds um, Maliva and asks where Larry, they ask about him and they end up taking her back to town. Come
0: on, speak up, old witch. Where's that strange man that was with you?
1: We'll make her speak. Uh, Larry wakes up face down in a very deep stream. (laughs) Like he is, his mouth is not outside of this water. Like this is like death. Like he (laughs) should have been dead. But I well, guess it plays up to the fact that he's immortal.
2: Yeah, there's that. Plus, you know, he probably once he got to the choking point, he would have moved. <laughs> but I don't know.
1: It's not well. We don't know how long he was face down in this stream.
2: That's true. But eagle-eyed viewers will notice that Larry Talbot now is wearing shoes. He has little slippers on. <sighs>
1: He looks around and takes in the snowy ruins of the castle he even as human can't figure out how to get out of it even though well because he fell in i guess right so he can't figure out how to get out of the castle so he starts looking around and he finds an icy wall behind this icy wall we see the monster.
2: Yeah, it's kind of just a shadow. You can't really make out what it is, but he sees there's something back there. So he starts wiping it away and he sees the shape of a body and then he starts chipping away. And in there is the monster.
1: And yep, he breaks that ice.
2: Yeah. And, and it's a great initial shot of the monster in the ice. Interesting thing is it's not Bela Lugosi who plays the monster. The first shot is a stuntman.
1: Oh, really?
2: Yeah. In fact, we'll talk about this afterwards probably at least half of the performance is done by a stunt person.
1: Interesting. So he breaks away all of this ice, and our good friend the monster ends up waking up. We get some very dramatic music during this as well.
2: Yeah, and a uh, music from Ghost of Frankenstein. Okay. One thing that makes it very obvious that it is a stunt person, look at the size of his neck. He's very muscly, very big. <laughs> and then when it's Bela Lugosi, Bela was 60 years old at the time, so... He wasn't in the shape that the stuntman was in.
1: Mm. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Larry works pretty hard to free the monster. And then he asks the monster if there are any records or diaries that were left behind by Dr. Frankenstein or any notes.
0: Dr. Frankenstein must have kept records. A diary. You know where it is. Show me.
1: The monster then leads him to the ruins of the lab and we find a hidden compartment where we find like a chest of some sort that has a bunch of documents inside of it. The, I've noted that the monster is very slow and very clunky. I think this is more of the stereotypical monster that we see.
2: Yes, it's very stereotypical at what people remember, the outstretched arms. But the reason for that, there's a whole backstory that ended up being cut from this movie. If you remember, at the end of Ghost of Frankenstein, he becomes blind. And his brain isn't serving uh, the body's functions because it's Igor's brain in the monster now. So the monster originally... Had dialogue and talked with Larry Talbot as Igor. Yeah, I
1: was expecting that.
2: Yeah, and and all of this backstory was built in that the monster is blind, and I think he may also be deaf as well. Uh, But they cut all that, even though if you look closely, you could still see his lips moving at times.
1: Huh, interesting. So uh, they find, they open up this box with a bunch of papers, but unfortunately, there's no diary in it. However, we um, Larry does find a photo of Elsa, who is the daughter of Frankenstein.
2: Elsa. Yeah, previously played in, the, in Ghost of Frankenstein by Evil and Angers.
1: So, of course, our next scene is with our new good friend, Elsa, who is talking to the mayor about the Frankenstein estate. There is a man who called him named Taylor, Taylor. who um, was calling about buying the ruins of Frankenstein Castle.
2: Yeah, he called the mayor asking for Elsa's contact information because he's interested in buying the ruins.
1: The mayor's like, and behind this door is Taylor. So the door opens to a good friend, Larry, who's posing as this man named Taylor. He then asks if he can speak to her alone. And this Very quickly, he gives it up. He says that he, uh, it's mentioned that he has summoned her under false pretenses. He doesn't let up that his name is not Taylor, but he does mention that he wants her father's diaries. He does not want to purchase the land. She's totally fine with this because I guess he's a handsome man.
2: <laughs> well, she's not that offended. She understands that I guess he wants it, but she says she can't help It doesn't know where, where the records are.
1: Yes, that is what I was going to say next. My father's diary.
2: Yes, you must give it to me.
1: I don't have any records.
0: If I had, I I would have destroyed them long ago.
1: She said also that she will never go back there a festival starting up immediately outside of the building and
2: festival of the new wine
1: yeah we hear some merriment and some dancing and the mayor's come back in and he asks elsa to stay as a guest of honor and she accepts um she was supposed to go back to wherever she came from that day but instead she's going to stay the night and leave the next day
2: and he also invites Larry.
1: Yes, he asks Larry as well, who uh, accepts and then abruptly leaves. So here we get a musical number.
2: My favorite scene of the entire movie. I love it.
1: This musical number is um, somewhat foreboding. And it talks a lot about life and death and making the most out of life Yep. Yeah. and what's not.
2: Yeah, I love this singer. He is so good. He has this really deep baritone voice and he does. Yeah, the words are something like Come on and all, and sing a song. Follow La, follow Lee. For life is short but death is long. Follow La, follow Lee. there be no music in the tomb. So sing, rejoice, down with gloom. Tonight the new wine is in bloom. Follow, follow, follow Lee.
1: You know, for someone who just casually says the lyrics are something like this and then proceeds to sing <laughs> the song.
2: Oh, I love this song. <laughs> Tonight we toast our happy host. Follow the following. Follow the For he's the man we love the most.
0: Follow the
1: so <laughs> this musical number winds its way through this little square, and our good friends Elsa and Larry are sitting at a table under like a grapes. Yeah, like a little arch. It's it's a it's the guest of honor table. Elsa super into whatever's happening. Um, Larry though is getting more and more uncomfortable, which Elsa catches that he is not into this musical number. The song just really he just really hates it especially when they start directing it towards him about uh, making the most out of life and whatnot and to be happy and he's just completely miserable
2: yeah the villager it looks like he's going to be he's going to be going around to different people singing to them he already sang to the barkeep vazek Mm -hmm. who
1: by the way yeah super happy
2: Oh, he's very happy.
1: Even though his daughter was just murdered. I know. Well, that's because he's
2: barrel-bellied and dipper-lipped and wears his chest. It must have slipped. But uh, <laughs> so, yeah, they go up to Larry. And at first in the song, the villager says, you know, uh, live eternally. And Larry makes a face at him like, how dare you say live eternally to me? All I want to do is die. But he sort of forgets it, lets it play off. But then the line comes.
0: Alive life is short. But death is long
2: And that drives Larry over the edge And he grabs him by the collar and says Get away from me How dare you eternally I don't want to live eternally Get away from me All And he starts freaking out I love it
0: Stop that Stop it What's that singing with you Eternally I don't want to live eternally Why did you say that to me Get away from me Stay away Go
1: away, all of you! Let me alone! Stay away! Yeah, he totally kills the party. Um, he, he yells at everyone, and he really brings down the vibe of the crowd. <laughs> so they all leave. But just as everyone is leaving, Doctor Mannering shows up, and he calls out, "Larry." Well, you must he, be
2: mistaken. My name is Taylor.
1: Yep. Turns out that he has been tracking all of the bodies that have been left behind by Larry.
2: Yeah, he followed Um, the newspapers.
1: Yep. He's been uh, following those reports. And while they're having this very intense conversation, the party is still happening, even though it's definitely left Larry alone. And there is a gentleman who comes over and whisks away our good friend Elsa for a dance. The mayor and so this leaves the two men and they then start to argue back and forth the doctor wants to take larry back to england and he offers that he can help him and and care for him larry just wants to die that's all he wants he tells the doctor that he needs dr frankenstein's diary and that this could potentially help him
0: dr frankenstein left a diary in it are his records of the secrets of life and death If I can find Dr. Frankenstein's diary, I can break this curse and find peace in death. That's morbid.
1: While they're talking about this very loudly, uh, they're overheard by a villager who is the barkeep.
2: Yep. Yeah. Massic.
1: Elsa then returns in time to the gentlemen who are arguing for the party to just be broken up by the monster. Yeah. So the monster comes down the main road, and everyone is fleeing away from him.
2: Yeah, this is another great moment. The monster first appears, and you hear some screaming, and then you see a girl. I don't. It's hard to tell exactly how old she is. I imagine around twelve years old or something. But she's she's kind of in the foreground and in another person's lap, and she just starts freaking out, screaming the most horrific scream. She's very good. She looks so scared of the monster as he's just walking in. <laughs> The monster's not even doing anything yet. He's just standing there, and everyone's running away screaming. And then there's this great shot that I love. Do you remember this shot that I'm going to mention?
1: I don't know. What are you going to mention?
2: There's a shot where Larry is kind of facing the camera, and he's looking around, confused because he hears all this screaming, and then he turns around, and the camera just sort of it looks like it's on a, on a crane or something. It just kind of dollies up above him and goes into the crowd as the monster's walking through while they're all running mm. away.
1: Oh, okay. Very good larry ends up grabbing the monster and gets him to get onto a coach and they're able to escape
2: yeah and here he's in front of the monster and he's holding his arm and the monster kind of recoils and he says no it's me
0: no no it's me
2: so that also shows you that the monster is blind because he doesn't recognize him because you know he's standing right there
1: gotcha how do you find his way to the town?
2: When they flee, uh, you know, Larry Talbot gets on a wagon and starts driving it, and the monster's on the back with a bunch of wine barrels, and he starts kicking them all off at the villagers.
1: Yeah, he also has a very George Costanza. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, pose that he's on, like when George model or now when he's taking those sexy photos on the yeah. on the little sofa.
2: Yeah, there's these famous photos of George Costanza, who's only in boxers. Yeah. And yeah, the monster is positioned in the same way. Exactly the ge- same way. Gearing up for the wagon to take off.
1: Maybe he was just gonna take some sexy photos also. That's right, baby. Um <laughs> so we're now at the inn with the villagers who have come back from looking for them but are unable to find them they decide that they're going to talk to Elsa and they want to talk to Maliva and the doctor talks to the barkeep who is super aggressive and when it comes down to it he doesn't trust anybody except for himself the mayor comes in being the voice of reason trying to reason with the barkeep but the barkeep is just again very aggressive crazy just jumping to assumptions and fear mongering the crap out of this crowd the doctor says that he'll go and he'll get Larry and the monster is what it comes down to Elsa and Maliva end up going with him
2: yeah and Elsa she doesn't seem to have any problems going to the ruins now she's like I know those ruins I know the way (laughs) it's so
1: bizarre because she's like I'm never going back there and then this very handsome doctor shows up and she's like sure I'll take you there yeah that's fine
0: I'll take you to the ruins now. I'll go with you, of course. I promise you, if you'll help me, I'll rid area of this curse once and for all.
1: So once they find Larry, Elsa tells Larry that she can take him to the diaries that are at the ruins. And he says, we already checked there. And she just, I really like her. This actress pretty much plays the exact same role that she did in um, The Invisible Agent. But she's very no-nonsense, and she knows yeah. what she wants, and she gives him a, please, yeah, trust I know me. where these are.
0: It isn't in there, I know.
1: Please. And she finds a secret compartment inside of the secret compartment.
2: Yeah, there are the Frankenstein Diaries. I want to mention also there's this great shot that I love that we skipped over. So when Maliva, Elsa, and Frank enter the ruins and they find Larry... They first approach the monster, and he picks up a big stick, because he doesn't know who's there. He just Mm. uh, he doesn't know if they're villains or anything. And the monster does this growl, and Bela Lugosi doing his Frankenstein growl is not very good. It sounds like (laughs) like I can't even do it. It's like all throaty, and but then you got to think it's Igor that's really doing the scream. So I guess it's okay. But um, then, and then Larry g- grabs the stick and says, study. <laughs> Dr. Mannering reads
1: the diary about how to create life. And we also find out how to actually kill the monster, which is just reversing the polarity and draining the energy out of him.
2: Well, if that's the case, then my energies can be drained, too.
1: Exactly. They figure that this should be a way to kill Larry as well. Elsa is keeping an eye on the doctor and reminding him that he can't help the monster. We start to see that the doctor is kind of falling into whatever happens to a man of science whenever he gets near the
2: monster. He just wants to help him out a little Yeah, he gets more interested yeah. in the monster than anything else. Yep. Yep.
1: Really anything.
2: Yeah, and then, you know, Elsa kind of talks about how her father became obsessed with the monster. It it kind of gets confusing, this movie, as to which Dr. Frankenstein we're talking about.
1: Oh, I just, because, I mean, it. but she says it eventually. She's like, my father and his father before
2: him. Yes, she does, but they talk about, like, the terrible things Dr. Frankenstein did here at this town. Remember, this town is not the town of Frankenstein. This is Viseria, only... Yeah the second son of Frankenstein, lived here. So they don't know the original Frankenstein. But it's played off almost where the villager. It's the same villagers from the original Frankenstein movie. And it <laughs> just kind of gets confusing yeah. as to what backstory they're trying to tell here.
1: True. Good point. Good point, sir. The Doctor... Figures that the equipment is salvageable and he can use them. <laughs> Sorry, I'm reading my notes. Um, at the end, the villagers are complaining about the doctor, so now they're complaining about another doctor, and they're worried about what is happening up at the castle. Um, we also see that the doctor is getting a bunch of deliveries. The innkeeper has been plotting this entire time,
2: yes, he has, and he has
1: uh, the perfect method to kill everyone um <laughs> like he just wants to murder them not kick them out and he's like murder 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 yep. um the plan is to blow up the dam and drown them
0: blow up that dam and that all drown like rats all of them
1: because it turns out that there's a stream that runs under the castle that they use to generate power and electricity the stream is coming from the dam
2: yeah his plan is to blow up the dam and destroy all those monsters
1: the mayor tries his darndest to shut down this murder plot but no one has control of the barkeep truly no one has control of this guy the doctor has set up the lab and it's almost ready larry is over it and needs for this to happen tonight no more wolfing Nothing.
2: Yeah, you can't live through it. another one of those horrible experiences. He's done.
1: Elsa and the doctor are having a whole conversation where she's like, you need to do this for Larry. Let's go. Let's get this going. Um, and he needs to concentrate on helping Larry and not helping the monster and getting rid of the monster because that's what he promised. Yes. Um, he- and,
2: and she wants him uh, to clear the Frankenstein name.
1: Yes. He ends up calling Larry insane. So he still thinks that Larry's crazy. Um, Maliva happens to overhear this and tells him that Larry is not insane. That he is just a man looking to end this curse.
2: He simply wants to die.
1: Um, the doctor agrees to drain the monster's energy and hopes to help Larry as well. He's still not 100% that he can do this for Larry, but he's like, sure, I'll do it. Um, we see that Elsa is worried that he's getting obsessed like her father and her grandfather.
0: Listen to me, Frank. I saw my father become obsessed by his power. He died a horrible death, just as my grandfather did. Yes, I know. You promised the people to read Vazari of this monstrous creation. I want to be sure that nothing, nothing whatsoever can sway you.
1: The doctor is going mad. Like, really, we're, it kind of just ramped up all of a sudden where he just kind of was like, maybe I'll do this. And now um, we see his breaking point, and he says that he cannot destroy this monster um, yeah. and that he needs to see it at full power. <laughs> I can't
0: destroy Frankenstein's
1: creation. Not to see it at its full power.
2: Yeah, for some reason, he needs to see it at full power. So, yeah, and the the operation has begun.
1: Yeah, so everybody's hooked up to some doodads. There's a lot of electricity. Um, for some reason, Elsa's gone to sleep. Yep. So he goes and he switches the power to, instead of draining, it can um, power them both up. And <laughs> um, it also happens to be a full moon night.
2: That's right.
1: So, yeah, you now shenanigans. There's just so much noise, so much of a ruckus that's yeah. happening in the lab.
2: Some great electrical machines.
1: Yeah, it wakes up our good friend Elsa. The town people see the ruckus. They don't hear it, but they see it. You see the lights flashing. Apparently they're nosy and they're looking <laughs> at the castle. Um, And they see that. So we see the monsters start to wake up.
2: Yeah, uh Elsa starts screaming, you're making them strong again. And I like when the monster is being powered up you just see his cheeks start moving where he's like
1: oh this is a audio medium
2: yeah his che- his cheeks <laughs> his cheeks start to twitch showing that he's getting energy into them and then there's this great shot where remember you were talking about how the movie doesn't really have these these uh, vaseline type images with, yeah, uh-huh. well this is the one shot that is of the movie that's like that where it's just the monster's eyes and they open up It just seems like nothing now, but in the initial cut of the movie, that would have been him gaining his eyesight back, and it would have been a big moment. Uh And then when he's finally at full strength, he has this hideous grin, and he looks over at Elsa.
1: Yeah, she then tries to stop this and ends up blowing up bits of the lab.
2: Not the lever. You'll blow the machine to atoms.
1: Yeah. Meanwhile,
2: (laughs) the innkeeper has been
1: setting up explosives on the dam. Yep. And he's setting up those charges. So the moon has come out and we see another transformation from our good friend Larry, who turned into the Wolfman.
2: Yeah, a great transformation. And at the same time...
1: The monster is attacking and chasing Elsa.
2: Yeah, he got off of his table, off of the gurney, whatever you want to call it. Uh huh. And he has grabbed Elsa, who has fainted. Yeah. And he's walking away with her.
1: Yeah, he's uh, trying to get away. The Wolfman then is able to break free of his restraints and um, attacks the monster. And now we get our epic fight between the monster and the Wolfman.
2: A great, exciting fight. Frankenstein and the Wolfman fighting to the death. And great, exciting music. The same music from the finale of The Wolfman. And there's some great stunts here. There's one stunt that you talked about uh, that you thought was dangerous. At one point the wolfman climbs up on top of a machine and the monster grabs it and hurls it across the room and and the wolfman goes flying with it. And then yeah. the wolfman then it cuts to a reaction shot of the wolfman which I really like cuz it looks like the wolfman looking at the monster confused It's only for a second because, like, he looks at the monster confused as to, you know, how strong this guy could be. Like, this guy's tough. It's usually so easy for me to get my victims, but I'm having trouble with this guy. Mm -hmm. And it's a great fight. That actual stunt with the uh, electrical machine going across the room, if you look closely, you can see wires. Oh, okay. And yeah, so there's this big giant fight
1: yeah elsa and dr Mannering are escaping so they are now outside of the ruins and they are walking through the woods and the dam is blown up the dam then floods as they are continuing to fight and it destroys the ruins so we get this big this Shot looking into the lab, and we see all of this water come in through the ceiling. Basically,
2: yeah, it's a really an incredible moment, and just neat thinking about how they filmed this, and and what what filming this would have looked like. Because the Wolfman is kind of on this high ledge area, and he jumps down onto the monster, and at that moment. Tons of water come spewing from the ceiling on top yeah. of them because the, the water from the flood is uh, crashing down on the castle. And it's a wide shot, and it's real people in there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it just looks like they just flooded this actual set. Yeah. If you look really closely, it looks like the wolf bin gets one final punch in there. <laughs> but it washes them away, and it's an incredible moment.
1: Yeah, so this dam completely destroys the ruins of the castle. As the villagers and Elsa and the doctor watch on. And
2: the villagers cheer.
1: They do. So, uh, castle's destroyed and then, uh, it's the end of the movie. Yeah. The
2: end. That's the end. The monsters Ends. are washed away, and uh, that's well, I it. don't
1: know that, I just know that everything was washed away. But really, <laughs> anything goes with this whole series.
2: Yeah, the whole town of Isaria got destroyed. After that.
1: <laughs> I did think that the town would have gotten destroyed because it seemed like they were definitely downhill from,
2: yeah, it did seem like that. But because if they not. keep
1: saying the village, you know, the castle on the hill, yeah, and there's a dam behind that castle.
2: Maybe Vazic built a little dam in front of the village.
1: Entirely possible. But yeah, so the end, that is the... Frank- what is this, Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman?
2: Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman. What do you think?
1: Yeah. um, I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it, Yeah. Yeah. I
2: love this I didn't this enjoy movie. the
1: ending. I will say that, though. You I know, thought it was a little abrupt. The fight? I mean, the fight's great. But I need a little bit of a...
2: Oh, more of a cleanup?
1: Yeah. Just something.
2: Well, maybe there's something that... Uh, subconsciously your feeling was missing can you think about it no
1: well the destruction of the town um, more of a love story between the doctor
2: well, there's one thing in particular that everyone has always questioned that was never wrapped up the inspector oh what what happened to maleva what did happen to Maliva? She was in the castle.
1: Yeah, they did not take her. No. We didn't see her like leave either. No. She loves Larry. They must like...
2: have believed her alone.
1: Um, no. No, 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 no.
2: <laughs> but, yeah, no one knows what happened to her. Did she wash away with the monsters? Mm, I hope not. Maliva's good people. Yeah, but sad. I like Maliva. So, I love this movie. I do agree that The second half of the movie does get a little slow Mm -hmm. for a while when they're setting up all the equipment and stuff and getting ready for the operation. Yeah, But the first half is incredible. I think this is an excellent sequel to The Wolfman. Oh, good. For a Frankenstein sequel, it's not the best, but...
1: I feel like this is way more of a Wolfman movie than it is. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is more of a Wolfman movie.
2: Yeah. Well, you want to talk a little bit about The making of I have a lot of stuff for this one. Sure. Here we go. Frankenstein meets the Wolfman from Universal Studios 1943. The writer of this movie is Kurt Siodbach. Uh-huh. Now we remember him as most famously writing the Wolfman. He also did some of the Invisible Man sequels. Uh Uh-huh. And the whole idea of this movie came from a joke that he made.
0: Mm.
2: One day at Universal Studios, he was sitting at the commissary having lunch with Yvonne DiCarlo, who later played Lily in The Munsters, I have to say it like that. <laughs> and Mary McDonald And George Wagner, producer George Wagner, who also directed The Wolfman, walked up and Kurt said to him, Hey, why don't we make Frankenstein Wolf's the Meat Man?
1: Uh huh.
2: Hilarious joke, right? Okay. <laughs> so he just thought nothing of it. And then later, eventually, George Wagner called Kurt Siodmak into his office. And Siodmak was shocked when he found out that they were actually going to be making this movie, Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman. Mm-hmm. And he was going to write it. So he had to not only write a sequel to his beloved Wolfman movie, but he also had to write a sequel to Ghost of Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. In early developments, uh, at times, it was also called Wolfman Meets Frankenstein. Mm,
1: That doesn't roll off the tongue.
2: It doesn't. But it was announced as Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman. And when it was initially announced, Lon Chaney was going to play both the Wolfman and the Frankenstein monster. Oh, Because remember, he played the Frankenstein monster in Ghost of Uh Frankenstein. Now that would have been interesting, right?
1: I guess so, but that fight scene would have been weird.
2: Well, it would have all been done with stunt doubles. I mean, most of the fight scene as it currently is is stunt doubles. Oh, good point. But yeah, it would have been done with stand-ins and stunt doubles, but it was eventually decided it would have been too cumbersome, too hard for Lon Chaney to play both roles. Mm -hmm. So at the very last minute, they decided to go another way and hire Bela Legosi to play the monster. Now, that was only a natural choice because Bela Legosi played Igor. And if you remember at the end of Ghost of Frankenstein, the monster gets the brain of Igor and talks like Igor. So now, instead of Igor's voice being dubbed in over Lon Chaney's performance, mm-hmm. Bela Legosi could just play the Igor Frankenstein monster, and that's that. It is interesting, that the monster gets Igor's brain, and it's almost like he takes on Igor characteristics now. Like his facial structure starts to look like Igor because it's Bela Legosi now. Uh huh. But I mentioned it earlier that in the initial script, the monster had lots of dialogue mm-hmm. spoken as the Igor monster, and it was shot that way.
1: Okay, I was about to ask if it actually. There was footage of it at some point, I guess.
2: Yeah, the initial screenings had all the dialogue. That's that's how it was shot. So, the budget for this picture was $300,000. Nice hefty budget at the time. Mm-hmm. It began shooting on October 12th, 1942. The director of this movie was Roy William Neal. As I mentioned, he is a very capable director Mm -hmm. and made some good Sherlock Holmes films for Universal.
1: Oh, okay.
2: His movies seem to be very atmospheric as is Frankenstein meets the Wolfman.
1: Yeah, I really like his style.
2: And as I said, Kurt Siodmak ends up writing the movie, who has a big history of writing monster movies. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the cast. Yes. Starring as Larry Talbot, we have Lon Chaney Jr. At the time, he was 36 years old. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, around this time of making this movie, remember, World War II is in effect. It's it's being fought. And Lon tried to join the Marines around this time as a cook. A Um, cook? Yeah, he didn't get in, but after the movie finished wrapping, he did join the army, but he was soon reclassified after that. So he didn't really end up doing much with the Army. Oh,
0: okay.
2: We talked a lot about Lon Chaney in the Wolfman episode, so I won't repeat all that, but let me give you some thoughts of what Alona Massey thought of Lon Chaney Jr. Alona Massey, she played Elsa Frankenstein in this movie. Okay. I think Lon Chaney is one of the nicest, sweetest people in the world. It was a great deal of fun. You know, it took four hours to put on his makeup, and when it was on, it was hot under the lights. It was very difficult for him to eat. He mostly had soup, which he sipped through a straw. And just for fun, we put hot peppers in it. What? We had a lot of fun. I never had any difficulties with my co-stars, but Chaney was something special.
1: Very nice. That's really mean of them.
2: Um, well, you got to play pranks. And, you know, Lon mm-hmm. Chaney was king of the pranks. Oh, wasn't he? Remember, he used, to, uh, he, he used to wrestle people and destroy dressing rooms and did all those pranks on evil and anchors and The Wolfman.
1: Mm-mm-mm.
2: Okay.
1: Uh, did he have children?
2: Lon? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Was he uh, married? He was married. We, we talked a little bit about that in the Ghost of Frankenstein episode. I remember that. Where he wanted to adopt... The girl in the movie? Yes. Uh, he I do remember that. Yeah, he had children from a previous marriage, but he wanted... Um, <laughs>
1: to collect more? <laughs> well,
2: he wanted a uh, child with his current wife. Oh. <gasps> oh. Since we were just talking about Alona Massey's thoughts on Lon Chaney, why don't we just skip to Alona Massey playing Elsa Frankenstein? hmm We first saw her on Pods and Monsters in The Invisible Agent. Yes. If you remember in Ghost of Frankenstein, the role of Elsa Frankenstein was originally played by Evelyn Anchors. Uh-huh. She was not recast. I think a big reason for that is Evelyn Anchors also played Gwen Cunliffe in The Wolfman, and it would have been way too confusing to have such a, a prominent character be the love interest again. Even though other characters do appear.
1: Uh, Yeah, I would say that would actually be very on brand of them. (laughs) And I would have
2: just said, okay. I just think Gwen was such a big part of the Wolfman, you can't really do it with that. You could do it with the smaller actors.
1: I guess.
2: Here are her thoughts on being in Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Mm -hmm. Personally, I love horror films. And that's why I did this one. I thought it would be wonderful to do a horror film, and I really enjoyed it. That voice was
1: interesting and good for her.
2: Yeah, so she had a good time, which if you remember for The Invisible Agent, she didn't really care for that movie, Mm -hmm. even though I think her role is stronger in The Invisible Agent.
1: Agreed. Actually, it's almost
2: the same. Next, we have Bela Lugosi playing the Frankenstein monster. This is his first time out as the monster, which is interesting because rumor has it that he turned down the Frankenstein monster in the original film, and Boris Karloff took it thereafter.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: He was 60 years old at the time, so he was already you know, pretty old to play the monster. Mm-hmm. But he did a decent job, I suppose. I, When you think about that, it was originally going to have dialogue and it's the Igor monster. He does a much better job when you think about that backstory. But yeah. the way that it ended up being, he ends up being my least favorite Frankenstein monster in the series.
1: Yeah, it's not particularly
2: compelling. Yeah. Even though he did have more to do than Lon Chaney and Ghost of Frankenstein. Mm. As I said... Lugosi turned down the Frankenstein monster in 1931 but he ends up playing it here and you wonder why well the reason is (laughs) the reason is he was desperate for work at this time he Mm. sort of became you know he wasn't a big star anymore uh, when he was in the 1930s and now he's in these low budget horror films and he he just wanted the work and he would have done anything yeah When he played the Frankenstein monster in this movie, he would arrive at the set at 5 a.m., hmm The makeup took around four hours to put on. Now, remember, this is a 60-year-old guy, so this is, this is <laughs> tough for him.
1: I am not anywhere near 60, and already it's too much for me.
2: <laughs> the headpiece that he wore was five pounds. Um, I believe it was a rubber headpiece by this point. Um, it used to be built from scratch from Cotton and clodion when Boris Karloff played the monster. But I uh-huh. think starting with Lon Chaney, they had a rubber headpiece. Okay.
1: And that would be lighter?
2: I'm not sure if it would be lighter or not, but it would be a lot faster to put on. Oh,
1: okay.
2: Uh, The boots that he wore weighed 20 pounds together, apparently. Why? Because they're big, heavy boots. (laughs) Hmm. In the original Frankenstein, they were asphalt worker boots. So he had to be at the studio at 5 a.m., but he would wake up every day during the shoot at 2.30 a.m. because he would have to soak in a hot tub to prepare for his long days. Hmm. He would just need to relax and really psych himself into playing this role yeah now because Bela was 60 years old and not in the best of shape he did have a lot of stand-ins i told you that the first shot of the monster when we see him in the ice it wasn't Bela lugosi it was one of the stunt doubles Mm -hmm. now there's been lots of talk as to who was the stunt man that played the monster in this movie. Mm-hmm. For years, everyone said it was stuntman Eddie Parker, who ended up doing stunts for a lot of Universal movies. But in recent years, it was discovered that it is more likely Gil Perkins, a stuntman and actor. So I think people know now that Gil Perkins played the monster in the movie and Eddie Parker played the wolfman in in the wolfman stunts. Uh-uh. I think that's how it happened. Uh there are there is some talk that maybe Eddie Parker did play the monster in a couple of scenes. It's hard to tell, but I think people are pretty much in agreement that Gil Perkins was the main stunt man for the monster.
1: It's very weird to me that this cannot be confirmed.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess they didn't have all the documentation back then.
1: I guess.
2: Yeah, Gil Perkins, you know, he did a good job. Uh he played the monster a lot in the movie because Lugosi needed the help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember, I told you before. I don't. I don't like Lugosi's Frankenstein yell. Where yeah, <laughs> but it's kind of Igor-ish. Uh huh. Here's what Bela thought about that monster yell. Okay. That yell was the worst thing about the part. You feel like a big jerk every time you do it. <laughs> Just the act of yelling. <laughs> Well, <laughs> roaring like the monster. Because remember, he, you know, he was this fancy actor who who thought of himself as being better than playing a monster and yelling around, not having dialogue. Mm. Which, which that's why he turned down the initial part because there was no dialogue. But now he's kind of forced into doing it. But the thing that doesn't make sense about that really is he had dialogue throughout this whole movie. So. I don't yeah. know. During production, because he was 60 years old and out of shape, he did collapse at one point. Oh, no. I believe it was during the um, the ice scenes, when he was in the ice with uh, Larry Talbot. Mm-hmm. And there's a behind-the-scenes photo of them standing together, where the monster looks really thin. And I think that they took all the padding off of Bela mm. and had him continue once he you know came to. Gotcha. Next, we have Maria Ospenskaya as Maliva. She's reprising her role of Maliva from the original Wolfman. Mm -hmm. She is one of my favorites. I love that performance. Maliva's great. She had an accident in the movie, and it happened to be the same day that Bela Lugosi collapsed. Oh, no. Earlier in the day, they were shooting the scenes of Maliva and Lon Chaney on the carriage traveling. Well, at one point, that carriage ran over her foot, breaking (gasps) her ankle. No! Yeah.
1: Poor Poor, Meliva.
2: Poor Maliva. she died uh, six years after this film in nineteen forty nine due to a stroke and severe burns.
1: Severe burns.
2: She fell asleep smoking one day and place caught on fire and she had severe burns.
1: Gosh.
2: Um I don't think she died exactly from that. I think she lived a while after that and then eventually died of a stroke.
1: Oh, unfortunate.
2: Yeah, Patrick Knowles plays Frank Mannering. Now, this is an actor from the Wolfman that is back as a different character. Mm-hmm. Patrick Knowles in the first Wolfman played Frank Andrews. Now he's back playing Frank Mannering. So <laughs> many Frank. Yeah, there's Frankenstein, Frank Andrews, Frank Mannering. So yeah, not only is he back in the sequel, but his character has the same first name. So yeah. it, it, it could get a bit confusing.
1: And what's the name of the actor again?
2: Patrick Knowles, not Frank. In the original script, his character was not Doctor Mannering, but Doctor Harley. Harley. Did you recognize the mayor in this movie? No. Well, the mayor was Lionel Atwill. I I'm, I remember this name. <laughs> yes. He was Inspector Krog in Son of Frankenstein with a wooden arm. Uh-huh. He was the evil assistant to Dr. Frankenstein and Ghost of Frankenstein, who put the brain of Igor into the monster. Uh-huh. And now he is the kindly mayor of area. Wow. Three days before shooting began, Lionel Atwill was sentenced to five years probation for perjury over those sex orgy parties I told you about before.
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Sex orgy parties.
2: Yeah, he used to have orgies, and I guess one of the... Are
1: there any other kind of orgies?
2: (laughs) And, I don't know, (laughs) I guess, uh, I think one of the participants or actresses came out and told about it, and there was a trial, and he lied. Well, after that, no other studio would hire him but Universal, so he again, like Lugosi, was desperate for work and would take anything. After he did the film, he later appealed his perjury conviction and he was exonerated. So even though he was no longer uh, convicted of perjury, I think he still had this reputation, this strange reputation of having these orgies, and studios didn't really want to. going
1: on there. Like, <laughs> we're going to do a liability.
2: Playing inspector Owen is Dennis Hoey. I'm sorry? <laughs> Dennis Hoey. Hoey? I don't know, H O E Y. Hey. <laughs> hey. hey. No,
1: nope. I don't get that reference.
2: He was also in a lot of Sherlock Holmes movies.
1: No, oh.
2: he uh, played an in inspector a, a lot.
1: Yeah. He has an inspector
2: face. Remember Vazek? I do. The, the awful barkeep. Yeah, he's he's the worst. He's played by Rex Evans, and he played a constable in *The Invisible Man Returns*. And he also has an uncredited role in the picture of *Dorian Gray*. Oh,
1: okay.
2: Playing Rudy, we have
1: who was Rudy? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, they never say his name in the movie, but <laughs> this right? is Dwight Fry. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
1: You said that with with such confidence that I'm like, oh no, there's totally a character that does not ring any bells whatsoever. Uh,
2: Dwight Fry, we know him very famously from Dracula and Frankenstein and in Bride of Frankenstein and he had small roles in the other Frankenstein films as well. Now, this is the last time, unfortunately, that we see him in a Universal Monster movie as he died later this year in 1943 of a heart attack.
1: He's so young. Yeah,
2: it, it was pretty sad. I think one night in Hollywood, he went to a screening of a movie with his wife and son. And after the movie, they got on a bus to go home and he had a heart attack on the bus and died. Oh,
1: my gosh. And He
2: was 44 years old.
1: How awful.
2: It's very sad. I love Dwight Frye.
1: Yeah, I like how you tried to do an impression of Dwight Frye saying it was very sad about him.
2: Yeah, I... <laughs> I kind of gave, gave like, up halfway through.
1: Yeah, and it sounded like Peter Lorre more.
2: Dwight Frye. <laughs> <laughs> Playing Bruno, remember Bruno? Nope. I me give you a hint. Bruno! Oh, gotcha. <laughs> Playing Bruno was Moose the dog. Oh. <laughs> and this was Lon Chaney's dog, who also yes. played the wolf that bit him.
1: Yeah, because <laughs> he was wolf like, Man. let me have that child, let me have that dog.
2: <laughs> exactly. The makeup was again done by Jack Pierce. Uh, this time he really had his hands full as he had to do not only the Wolfman, but the Frankenstein monster. Uh-huh. The interesting thing, though, is there, I've seen behind the scenes photos of Lon Chaney being made as the Wolfman for Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. But I've never seen a photo of of Jack Pierce making up the monster in Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Maybe
1: his assistants did.
2: Yeah, I'm re- I'm wondering that. I don't have any proof to back that up, but I've never seen a photo. Again, Lon Chaney has said about this movie, uh, the transformation scenes, they actually would put little nails in his skin to keep him in place. That's what he said. No. Yeah, I don't know if I believe that, but.
1: That's ridiculous. That is a (laughs) preposterous thing to say.
2: Yeah. Yeah. This movie has a great musical score, one of my favorites, done by Hans J. Salter, the premier Universal monster movie composer of the 1940s. Yep, yep, yeah. Yep. And he scored that great "Follow Lolly Song," <laughs> That great "Follow Lolly la, la Song."
1: <laughs>
2: follow lolly la. Follow la, follow lee uh, And the lyrics were done by Kurt Sjöman. Ah. So they actually got a great pop hit. <laughs> And you know who performed that song? Who? His name was Adia Kuznetsov. Kuznetsov. (laughs) I'm
1: never going to correct you on that one because I don't
2: know. I don't know much about him, but I love his (laughs) (laughs) performance. So I mentioned earlier that the monster had lots of dialogue. Mm -hmm. Here's what Kurt Seelermach said about the dialogue that they filmed for this movie. He said in an interview once, Do you know why they took the monster's dialogue away? Because Bela Lugosi couldn't talk. They had left the dialogue I wrote for the monster in the picture when they shot it, but with Lugosi, it sounded so Hungarian funny that they had to take it out. Seriously. Lugosi was good as Dracula because it supplied him with a Hungarian part, but a monster with a Hungarian accent? Huh. Now, I always heard that 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 the producers saw the performance and were laughing at Lugosi's accent and had to cut it. But the thing is he would have used an Igor voice and they did do the voice of Ghost of Frankenstein, so I, I don't quite understand that. I would
1: assume that the reason, that if that's the case that it would be because there's less there was less talking
2: in Ghost of Frankenstein
1: yeah, than there, there would be in this, you know, hour plus movie. Yeah,
2: there would be, but yeah, I don't know. But I I, I just never bought that as an excuse. So I'm going to read you some examples of the dialogue because I have in my hands the actual script for Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman.
1: It's a book of the script, not the (laughs) actual script, but go ahead.
2: Yes. Uh, So the scene I'm going to read to you is a deleted scene. Okay. There was a scene right after Talbot breaks the monster from the ice Uh, And they're sitting by a fire in the ice, having a conversation. Okay. Interior. Catacomb. Day. The monster now sits on the stony ground, his back supported by the wall. Around him, Larry has built a couple of small fires from the driftwood in the cave. Larry sits close to the monster, watching it with burning eyes. The monster holds out weak hands toward the flames and moves his body forward to warm himself, at the same time trying to focus his vision on Larry. Where are you? I can hardly see. Larry pushes him back. Watch out, you'll burn yourself. Burn myself. Then it turns its ugly head toward Larry. Help me to get up. Larry goes over to the giant and helps him to his feet. Once I had the strength of a hundred men. It's gone. I'm sick. He stands with Larry's help and supports himself against the wall. We must find the way out. He gropes against the wall. Larry taps the walls too, moving around trying to find an exit. The camera slowly pans with them. As they search, Larry says, well, How did you get here? The village people wanted to kill me. They burned the house down. Dr. Frankenstein died before my eyes. I ran, my clothes afire, down into the cellar toward the ice house where I would be safe. But I fell into the mountain stream. I lost consciousness. When I woke up, he points toward the wall of ice in horror. I was frozen in that block of ice, conscious for years, unable to move. Larry stops and looks at the monster aghast. Buried alive, I know. Yes, buried alive, until you found me. Who are you? My name is Lawrence Talbot. What are you doing here? Hiding the same as you. Those futile little mortals, do you hate them too? Yes. Then you are my friend. I need friends. So do you. We can help each other. Larry looks at him grimly. But how do we get out of here? The laboratory must be behind the ice. So that's one of the deleted scenes. What do you think of that? Um,
1: I'm quickly reminded of how jarring it was for the monster to speak in Igor's voice. And I'm kind of glad that didn't happen.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I I would love to see a cut with all that in there because they did film it that way. Mm -hmm. But everything that the monster says seems too on the nose. Yeah. It's lots of exposition. And it's just, I don't think it's needed. They could have written it. What they should have done is, in the script, in my opinion, is keep it the way it is with no dialogue, how it is in this final cut, but reference the things of him going blind by other characters saying it.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm
2: -hmm. instead of the monster saying, I'm
1: blind, I can't see. Yeah, yeah.
2: So after they filmed it with all this dialogue, they had screenings, and as I told you, the rumor is producers laughed and and didn't like it. So George Wagner, the producer of this movie, ordered all of the monster's dialogue cut. You can still see his lips moving at certain points. Uh huh. Now, one person made a discovery a few years ago, and it's very interesting. Remember in the movie when... The monster is leading Talbot into the ruins to find the Frankenstein diary. Yeah. He opens up a a hidden panel. Uh If you listen closely in the background, there's a noise. You can't really make out anything. But the line at that point would have been the monster saying,
0: it's in here Mm
2: -hmm. or it's here. And if you listen closely carefully you can kind of faintly make out some sound that kind of sounds like that it sounds like Igor's voice I because sometimes when you when you mix audio again I'm not sure if this is the case back in 1943 but like an effects track could have an echo uh, uh, or something so I think hidden in the soundtrack could be a little piece of his dialogue I'll play it here and you can listen to it and see what you think So what do you think? Does it sound like it?
1: No. No. I mean, I could. I guess if you're able, if you are able to take all those layers out or something, I don't know. Um, but,
2: uh... Yeah, I hear something back there, but I can't tell if that's what it really is or not. Yeah. But some people think it might be so. Interesting. So the movie, it ended up being previewed on February 18th, 1943. Mm-hmm. And then I believe that's when all the cuts happened. And then it officially opened March 5th, 1943. Wow. And here are some reviews of the time. Okay. Variety said, Here's a strong dish for the mass of customers who go for the bizarre, the weird, the creepy. Picture cannily produced by George Wagner and skillfully directed by Roy William Neal. Also benefits from excellent performances by Cheney, Lugosi, Patrick Knowles as a doctor. Maria Ospenskaya, a gypsy. Spectacular and sensational effects are properly emphasized in a script by Curtis Seodmach and the fine camera work of George Robinson. The only complaint from Variety, apparently, in the review Mm -hmm. was Alona Massey. Why? They said she is permitted to be too casual in a number of scenes, which she should have been dominated by more reactionary terror.
1: You know, I agree. Yeah. I agree. We said that. Yeah, she's very like, okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The Hollywood Reporter says, Roosevelt meets Churchill at Casablanca. Yanks meet Japs at Guadalcanal. And yet these events will fade into insignificance to those seemingly inexhaustible legions of horror fans when they hear that Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Yay, brother. Way to go on
1: that. Very casual racism.
2: (laughs) Yep. Ugh. So those are a couple of reviews of the time. And that is the story of Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman.
1: Very nice. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah. One of my favorite movies. The next one in the series will be House of Frankenstein, which will also include Dracula. Now that one, House of Frankenstein, might be my favorite movie of all time. Really? Now, I don't think it's the best movie of all time, Just but it's my favorite. I, I've watched it probably more than any other movie, and I can't wait to talk about that one.
1: Is it the first of the houses?
2: Yeah, there's only two House of, house movies. There's House of Frankenstein and House of Dracula. Mm, okay. And then there's House and House 2, the second story. Yeah,
1: yeah, none of them. None yeah. of these movies <laughs> with kid and play in them.
2: No. <sighs> So Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you.
2: I love it. I'm going to watch it again right now.
1: Right, have
2: fun. Theo where can everyone find us?
1: You can find us at podsandmonsters.com on the interwebs. You can also find us at Pods and Monsters on Twitter and Facebook, as well as Pods and Monsters Podcast on Twitter instagram we've updated our list going out to the end of the year and if you would like to get in touch with us please feel free to email us at pods at gmail.com or slide into the dms on any of those social media platforms if you have enjoyed our podcast please please please, please leave a review a rating and a review on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it and we um, really appreciate the feedback as well. Also, our good friend, friend of the podcast, Aiden Casserly, um, had us collaborate with him on a about a five minute Dracula illustration video that is up on his site. We also link to it on Facebook and uh, you, you can find him on all the socials as well. And we'll include it in the show notes to this episode. And you can go um, hear us talk a little bit uh, about Dracula as he does this amazing drawing.
2: That's right. So, for pods and monsters, my name is Robert. My name is Inthia. And remember, for life is short, but death is long. Follow law. Stop it! Stop that singing, will you? Eternally. I don't want to live eternally. Get away from me, all of you. Get away. Stay up. A- Bye, everybody.
1: Yeah, I guess that's pretty fitting, um, considering the times we're living in, so please stay safe. Wear a mask, if, you know, please, uh, so we can leave the house sooner rather than later. Bye.
2: Bye.
0: Tom, get out and stay out. We don't want your kind around here. Oh, keep your hands (coughs) off of me.